Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. at it again it's the football playbook with your boy ric and a place to be checking in from the beautiful jersey shore broadcast and around the universe here on this terrific tuesday this first place tuesday got a nice ring to it doesn't it chat room i see you out there adam getting us jump started thank you so much hit the like button for everybody on board for the next two hours of power bringing you up to sports take guys at noon but it's a first place philadelphia Eagles team. Not only that, it's official after three weeks of play. Only two amigos at the top of the mountain undefeated. That's your Philadelphia Eagles and your Miami Dolphins. And you can argue no two teams in football look better than them right now. In the AFC, you can argue maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars. I see them floating around a lot of people's power rankings now, two and one. Don't look now. Doug Peterson comes to town. We'll have a lot with, uh, on that today with our good friend Austin Lane, uh, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I remember Austin coming out of that 2010 NFL draft, and he's now doing the MMA deal uh, with the mixed martial arts. We'll talk to him about that. Came across my timeline. He was doing the Duval I, I was thinking, Austin, I just saw you at the Senior Bowl covering uh, covering the Senior Bowl for Sports Illustrated, doing some media stuff. And so we'll uh, we'll dive into his Jaguars experience. He's obviously uh, uh, still close with the program and an ambassador. We'll also have our good friend Gail Saunders checking in from 4th and John coming up at 1030 a.m. Eastern time. Of course, he was down there in D.C. with the rowdy rata. Boo Birds, uh, Jalen Hurts saying after the game, it felt like a home crowd. And that's in part because uh, Gal coordinated the, the bus loads down to the D.C. trip. And uh, we'll ask him about that experience. It's been a while since we had him on the show. So we'll check in, get his Eagles report. Um, we'll get into some Monday Night Football last night. The undefeated Cooper Rush now 3-0 and uh, with his starts. I'll tell you what we learned from that matchup. But first... I want to start off with uh, the Nick Seriani press conference from yesterday. A couple key takeaways and points that I took from it. You know, first off, 
uh, great praise for the offensive line and defensive line, uh, crediting Howie Roseman, the general manager, in terms of how he constructed this team, the incredible depth they have, and um, <clears throat> how his son also played this weekend and the keys to victory were also in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. It's a big philosophy uh, that he believes in. And we saw that, you know, one of the questions was, hey, you've got some guys like Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox playing an all-time career slow, career low snap count, but playing very productive, playing at a very high level. And he said, yeah, that's the plan. So we talked about the defensive line rotation yesterday. Expect to see a lot more of that throughout the season. And I like that. I like that strategy. I like that plan of attack. Uh, Jordan Davis is a guy that can develop, develop at his own pace. Same deal with Nicobe Dean. I think I saw our producer behind the scenes tone tweet out this week. Hey, it's the luxury of great drafting, great depth, and having talent <laughs> at multiple positions. And that's how you get an undefeated 3-0 and Eagles team. Oh, by the way, you got the hottest quarterback in the National Football League. Woo! Um, a lot of people now echoing what we've been stating pretty much since the show launched 21 episodes ago is that Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback. Pay the man his money. Show him the sack. At some point, we'll pop on Nicole Lynn. It's probably too early in the year for that, but it's coming, guys. It's coming. That Jalen Hurts contract extension is coming. And anybody who's upset about it, Not sure what you're watching, my friends. Um, you know, he also talked about Grant Calcaterra, who we saw with that big 40-yard run uh, to start off the second half. Asked him, you know, why did it take so long for him to get on the field? He said, you know, the, the coaching staff has a lot of faith in Calcaterra, but because he missed so much time, they were, they were comfortable with him in the passing game. They wanted to get him caught up to speed in the running game. They now feel comfortable enough where they probably aren't going to activate Noah Togiai again this week. Um, and that brings us to another roster decision that they need to make on Britton Covey because Covey was elevated for the third time from the practice squad to the active roster. That's it. I think he's he's maxed out now. They've either got to make a decision and elevate Covey to the permanent 53-man roster or, I, you know, I don't know exactly what the rules are. I think John McMullen. We'll have to check in with him. But it did come up about Devonta Smith and his punt returning. And would that be something we see more of? And uh, Coach Seriani, he was reluctant to commit to that. He did say, you know, we're trying to get Devonta Smith the ball in his hands as many ways as possible. And something that he did at Alabama, he was very shorthanded in the punt return game. So he said, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. He said, we'll see how the season goes. I think it's going to be an occasional thing. You know, you need a big play before the half. Maybe you put Devonta Smith back there and try to flip the field. Uh, uh, you know, end of game, need a big play. Maybe you put Devonta Smith back there. Now, come playoff time, there's a big risk-reward there, right? Because I want Devonta Smith back there as often as possible. He's a big play waiting to happen. 
At the same time, you got to be careful with the injuries, the durability, how many hits he's taking. So I think Sirianni's response saying, hey, we'll see how it goes. We'll play it by ear. We'll see how the season progresses. Fair enough. Um, also interesting, we didn't mention this yesterday. The final outcome of that commander score was 24 to 8. Ironically enough, the two numbers that Kobe Bryant wore, 24 to 8, which surprisingly, according to the Scorigami folks, it's only the second time in NFL history. Think about that. In 103 years, it's only the second time in NFL history that the final score of an NFL game was 24 to 8. And the reason why it's relevant is because Sariani showed the Eagles a Kobe Bryant themed video and the message coincided with what he was preaching to the team this week, getting ready for an old teammate, getting ready for some friends, which is Carson Wentz. And he said, Hey, um, you know, we are all ultimate competitors. It was a prerequisite for you to make the roster. Everybody's an ultimate competitor, but he showed them the Kobe Bryant video to remind them. And in it, this was, I guess, Kobe when he was preparing for the Olympics and he was talking about his teammate, Paul Gasol, and he's talking to his uh, Olympic you know, fellow teammates saying, hey, Paul Gasol's a teammate. He's a friend. But hey, when we play him, I'm best believing putting my elbow in his chest and sending a statement. He ain't a friend today. And so, you know, Sariani said it coincided with the message that he was trying to deliver. And so the Mamba um, preaching the mantra of the ultimate competitor and using the Paul Gasol comparison, how Gasol was such a great friend with uh, Kobe Bryant, Carson Wentz, as we saw with Fletcher Cox before the game, uh, still had friends on this team. And so, uh, yes, RIP to the great. Kobe. Uh, thank you, everybody in the chat room for waking up with us. Show your boys some love. Hit the like button as we continue to prep you for Jaguars week. We got Austin Lane coming up at 11. Gail Saunders in just a little while. Um, but sticking to the Sirianni press conference, our good friend uh, John McMullen, of course, Birds 365, which airs right before this show, asked Sirianni, he said, hey, uh, you got Doug Peterson coming to town. Obviously, you know, uh, very highly regarded, bringing a championship to this town. A uh, couple things here said, are you hoping Frank calls you back first, alluding to Frank Wright, the head coach of the Colts? And Sariani said, I hope he's calling me back first, because obviously Frank Wright, a mutual friend of Doug Peterson and Nick Sariani. Now, Sariani said he's never met Doug Peterson personally had nothing but high praise and respect, has heard nothing but good things, but said, hey, with Frank being in the AFC South, hopefully he gives me a call back first this week, get some intel on the uh, Trevor Lawrence-led Jaguars, and we'll get into more on that in a second. So thought that was a little bit interesting. And, um, you know, in terms of injuries, said nothing concerning. We'll let you know. We'll keep you posted, but nothing that, Seem to be an urgent matter. The one, the one player I'm keeping an eye on is Darius Slay. We saw him leave uh, early in the first quarter. There, he did return, but for the second consecutive week, he only played about eighty percent of the snaps. 
So I, I, I'm guessing maybe a little bit more banged up than they're letting on because otherwise I look Bradbury hundred uh, percent, Marcus Epps hundred percent, CD Juice hundred percent, everybody else in that secondary pretty much playing all of the snaps except for Darius Slay. So we'll continue to monitor that. Um, he would probably draw the Christian Kirk assignment, I would think. Uh, Kirk being the bigger play threat over a Zay Jones. But, hey, that Jaguars offense, we'll get into it. It's uh, it's a little bit unpredictable. They've got a lot of different pieces, and um, it'll be a challenging matchup the way the Jaguars are playing for sure. And then one last thing on the Sariani presser, when he was talking about the veteran leadership of um, Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey specifically, we had Martin Frank um, from the Delaware News Journal on yesterday, and we spoke about you know guys like Fletcher Cox, guys like Cam Jurgens who really played very well in the preseason. They can't see the field uh, because they have these legacy players ahead of them, right? And he said, you know, listen, it's not Jason Kelsey's responsibility or Fletcher Cox's responsibility to groom these guys or mentor the younger players. But he says they have. Unprompted. Not because they have to, because they get it. Because they want to. And let's be frank. Fletcher Cox, the chances of him coming back at that price tag next year, slim to none. Jason Kelsey, you know. Is it, isn't it his last year? He doesn't probably even know at this point. So, you know, Fletcher Cox, he doesn't care. He might be grooming his replacement. He doesn't care. You know why? They want the chip. They want the chip. And again, it goes back to just being ultimate competitors. That's the mantra that Nick Sariani was preaching this week leading up to the commanders game. And, you know, Wentz, Wentz week is in the books. Dougie Peterson week is on deck. And so, um, you know, we'll get into some Jaguars talk. I promise you we'll, we'll prepare you for that all week long. But I want to get into some of this Monday night football game from last night. Um, some, some, some interesting ripple effects. Uh, you know, we had Philadelphia play Washington. We had Dallas play the Giants. Philly sitting at 3-0. Dallas and the Giants at two and one, Washington at one and two. Here's what we learned this weekend. Okay. What I learned from the Washington game is that Carson Wentz is not a starting caliber NFL quarterback anymore. Just my opinion. Wouldn't be conducting my train. Wouldn't be the guy that I rest my head on my pillow and envision hoisting the Lombardi trophy. We needed Nick Foles to get that done. Carson Wentz never won a playoff game, quite frankly. And I don't think he ever will. And it wouldn't surprise me if Carson Wentz is out of the league in a year or two, because nobody's going to touch this guy. He's going to command starting money. Maybe he latches on and finds a backup role next year. But I, I can't imagine anybody in the National Football League that wants this guy to start at quarterback. And that's why he's on his third team in three years. So when I look at the Washington schedule, at Dallas, that's a loss. Versus the Titans, probably a loss. 
at Chicago, which could be tough, but I'll, I'll give them the W there, right? So let's say they're two and four after that stretch. At some point, like I said, probably before that week 10 rematch with Philadelphia, I think Sam Howell is going to get a, a, a test drive to see what he's have at, at some point. And I'm not sure if they go to Heineke first. I, I think I know what Taylor Heineke is. I like him. I, I like Taylor Heineke. I think he's a gamer. Um, but he's kind of in that Case Keenum mold, that Carson Wentz mold. Like, he's going to make a mistake that, that, that'll that probably kill you at some point. So what Heineke really is, essentially, is a cheaper version of Carson Wentz. I think Sam Howell is going to get a shot. It might be as early as Week 10 against the Eagles. That's what I learned from that game. Bad decision-making, holds on to the football too long, takes way too many hits. And then speaking of taking too many hits, for all this talk about the improved Giants offensive line, uh, Daniel Jones had never been under more duress than last night. At last check in the fourth quarter, they just made an announcement. He had been uh, pressured a career-high 21 plays as he was getting sacked. So I guess that makes it 22 pressures on the night. Not sure where that tally finished. Daniel Jones is another one. And on the broadcast, you know, Joe Buck brought it up again. I don't get what these people are watching. Well, the Giants are still trying to figure out if Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback. Really? He started 44 games. He's won about 15 of them. Sadly, that was one of the better performances I saw Daniel Jones play, and it was terrible. And the bad luck just continues to mount for the New York football giants, despite that 2-0 start. Suddenly, the walls are starting to crack. The cave is starting to implode. Um, Kenny Galladay, did you see him just drop a wide-open, should-have-been touchdown pass? And then he wants to get mad at the coaching staff why he's not playing. Dude, Kenny Galladay is toast. After that drop, after bitching and moaning and complaining about PT, you drop a wide open touchdown pass. Boop. <laughs> Can't believe it's not butter. That's Kenny Galladay. We got a new sponsorship for you. Oh, by the way, they might need a Galladay because Sterling Shepard, yeah, he went out with the knee injury. Head coach Brian Dayball saying it didn't look good after the game. Reports this morning are saying Sterling Shepard could be lost for the season. Could be lost for the season. So their number one uh, receiver out. Their number one money-making receiver stinks. Kadarius Tony, who the coaching staff doesn't even like. There was talk about the Giants trying to cut their losses while they can and try to get something of value in return because he's just a bad apple in the locker room. And that's why you got guys like David Sills, Colin Johnson, talk about a no-name offense. The Giants, they play the Commanders this week. Oh, no. The Giants play the Bears this week. So th they should beat the Bears. They're going to lose to Green Bay. They're going to lose to Baltimore. I got the Giants at three and three when the Eagles go into their bye week. So 
Um, I will say Saquon Barkley looks rejuvenated. Barkley looks like uh, his, his old self again. So that's exciting because he's one of the best running backs in the game when healthy. And at one point, you could argue Barkley, Zeke, they were right up there in terms of some of the top running backs in the league. Barkley has bounced back. Ezekiel Elliott, not so much. I said it before the season, and I continue to see it. I saw it last season. I continue to see it this season. Tony Pollard is the more explosive runner in that Cowboys backfield. And I think I think Mike McCarthy finally somebody somebody uh, woke up Coach McCarthy from his drunken stupor and informed him, "Hey, Coach, Tony Pollard's the guy. <laughs> you need to get him some more work." Uh, and we saw that last night. Check out these numbers. Ezekiel Elliott, 15 carries for 73 yards. He averaged 4.9 per carry. Tony Pollard, 13 for 105. He averaged 8.1 yards per carry. So as well as Cooper Rush has played, he's been leaning on that backfield to get the job done. And, uh, oh, by the way, Jerry Jones said, wouldn't it be great if we had a quarterback controversy on our hands? Well, I don't think we're going to get that. But Cooper Rush did what he had to do. 2-0 as a starter, filling in for Dak. He won a filling game last year. Don't look now. Somebody's about to pay Cooper Rush uh, some Chase Daniel money in the offseason to be a backup maybe. Uh, and I thought it was um, interesting. I think Troy Aikman brought this up on the broadcast. I had forgotten uh, offensive coordinator there, Kellen Moore, was a teammate of Cooper Rush. They actually – crossed crossed paths and Kellen Moore you know you talk about a guy ascending in the coaching ranks we had GJ Kinney on a couple weeks ago uh 33 year old head coach not sure how uh old uh Kellen Moore is there but Aikman made the point that if anybody knows the play the playbook or the offense as as well as Moore it's Cooper Rush the guys were teammates they're friends we talked about Shane Steichen and, and Jalen Hurts relationship. Cooper Rush has that relationship with the Kellen Moore. And so um, Dak Prescott now had his stitches removed from his throwing thumb. Sounds like he's going to give it a go this week against Washington. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, they've got Washington, who they should beat. Then they're at the Rams. Tough game. And then they come at Philly. Washington and the Rams, I think they split. You know, that'll put them at uh, three and two heading into that week six uh, Philadelphia matchup. And even if they beat the Eagles and are four and two, the Eagles could be five and one. I don't think Dallas is going away. That's what we learned here this week in the NFC East. I think that's the point I want to make is Dallas. The Giants are a joke. Their 2-0 record is a mirage. It's a facade. They're going to come back down to reality real quick. We'll see if they even beat the Bears. They got no shot at Green Bay versus the Ravens. They're going to be 3-3 three and three at best. Commanders 2-4 and four at best. Dallas 4-2 and two at best. And I thought it was interesting that somebody put it out there on the Twitterverse. 
the Philadelphia Eagles are the only team in the National Football League that are favored to win every single game the rest of the year. How about that? So now we'll get all the haters and the critics. Oh, Hurts can't beat a good team. Oh, the Eagles didn't really play anybody. Get ready for that narrative all season long. That Thanksgiving week against the Packers, it's going to be the biggest test. That's the litmus test. At Arizona, this Jaguars team, don't overlook these next two. These next three games are all going to be challenging, quite frankly. The Jaguars, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, these are no gimmies. But if the Eagles take care of business and do what they got to do, you're going to hear the narrative, oh, well, they never really beat nobody. Hurts hasn't Hertz really faced anyone. A uh, couple last notes on the game last night. You know, beautiful, just beautiful one-handed catch by C.D. Lamb. Uh, what was it, a post route in the back of the end zone, bringing it down one-handed uh, on Monday Night Football. Not quite the Odell Beckham catch, but a beautiful catch. And then uh, Demarcus Lawrence, D-Law, three sacks uh, yesterday getting in on uh, the quarterback pressure 22 times the Giants offensive line it doesn't matter who they draft who they sign it's just like it's like the subway uh turnstiles just constant pressure constant duress and um it's not a it's not a pretty scene for Daniel Jones and the New York football Giants in fact I still think Brian Dayball's good old friend Tyrod Taylor when he comes back from injury might get handed the starting job uh, right after this stretch. If they lose to the Bears and then, uh, you know, they lost to the Cowboys, Bears, Packers, Ravens, if they lose four or five games in a row, get ready for Tyrod Taylor. Tim the Toolman, Double T, Tyrod, check down, check, check down Taylor. Um, so anyway, that's what we learned from the NFC East. You wake up. You're in first place. You're one of only two teams to be undefeated. We're feeling good. What did somebody say last week? We're we're smelling ourselves over here, and it smells real good here at the Jersey Shore. Rick Saratella breaking it down for you on the football playbook. Hey, uh, when we come back after the commercial break, if you weren't down in the D.C. game, Getting it in, our next guest was, he's Gail Saunders from 4th and John. We're going to chop it up, break it down with him right after the break. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. again it's tfb with ric here on the jacob sports youtube channel make sure you hit the like button click subscribe get all the show notifications we got 12 hours of nfl philadelphia eagles talk each and every day it's all brought to you by ocean casino resorts your home for the eagles pre and post game and one of these days i'm gonna get our next guest over to the ocean casino and one of these days i'm gonna get down to one of the fourth and john tailgate parties because gail saunders is the guy that makes it all happen he checks in here on the football playbook good morning gail how are you today what's going on rac in the place to be i'm glad to be i'm glad to be here man yeah uh, man my, we're my... chopping it up breaking it down i know uh you know it's funny we had some commanders beat writers on last week and <clears throat> they kept telling us about uh how the visiting crowd or how the stadium might turn into a philadelphia crowd and I heard, you know, they, they were saying the bus loads are coming down by the dozens and uh, it might be 40 to 50 percent boo birds. And I said, you know, I bet my buddy Gail Saunders has a thing or two to do about that. So uh, hats off to you, my friend. Uh, tell us about the tailgate experience. How many how many bus loads did you have going down? Well, we, had, we had about 20, 20 buses come down. We had over, you know, you know, over close to eleven hundred fans down there partying with uh, Philly sports trips. Uh, we teamed up with them. Um, it was a great vibe, great experience. I think, um, you know, the, the whole vibe just starting, um, you know, being in the city a couple of days earlier, Washington fans were checked out. They, they were checked out from the, the very get go. Um, I got a chance to get in there uh, for warmups early in the early, right before the game. And it was from warmups to the fourth quarter. Uh, Eagle fans were booing. The commanders, 
uh, and you can see the look on their faces. It's kind of, it's it's a weird experience when you get to see the takeover and process for both sides. Like you'll see new Eagle players look at the crowd like I can't believe all these fans are here. Um, but it was about 70 to 30, 60 to 40. They were giving it to them all game long. It was, it was a great home field experience. And I, I thought the uh, it was it was a great job for the fan base and the team to come together. They put on a d- dominant performance, and I really felt like they uh, the Eagles took this one personal. Yeah, no, it was phenomenal. It was so fascinating to watch, even from home. Like, at halftime, the Eagles are booing the commanders off of their own field. Like, I've been talking intros, too. Intros to the game. They were getting booed. The, uh, the, the players were like, this is our, our own home turf here. And even on the um, – around the stadium they had like the the washington commanders were putting in these messages like defend your home ground and i was like you gotta you gotta do that for your home fans weak sauce that's weak sauce when you gotta remind your fans to defend your own turf that's what i say gail saunders here fourth and john one of the best eagles uh websites out there so i don't know if you noticed it or saw last night the Cowboys fans like took over the Meadowlands there. I thought the crowd noise there was like 50, 50. It was supposed to be a whiteout for the giants. I saw a lot of white Cowboys jerseys and Cowboys fans too last night. So I don't know if you picked up on that. Yeah. They, they, they usually, when the Eagles get there, they usually take over that stadium. I've been there about at least uh, 15 times and probably 80% Eagles have taken over the stadium. So it's, I'm I'm surprised they couldn't handle Cooper rush. Yeah, the undefeated Cooper Rush now three and zero as a starter. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, maybe the Giants need a starting quarterback. Maybe Cooper Rush will be starting for the Giants next year. And, and Daniel Jones, his his performances like are so predictable that you 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 know that the turnover's coming in the fourth quarter when the game's on the yeah. line. He'll get you. He'll get you rushing yards. He'll make some plays here and there. But it's at inevitable. The end of the day, it's inevitable. Daniel Jones, who he is, is who he is. Yeah. Something that wasn't predictable, though, was that Jalen Hurts performance. And, you know, I've been singing his praise all season long. I don't think anybody could have saw that kind of performance. I don't think anybody would have told you after three weeks, Jalen Hurts would be your leading MVP contender or one of the top three. But here we are. I mean, he's doing things that have never been done in the history of the National Football League. And still, (laughs) Gail, you still got people saying, Eh, you know, he really hasn't beaten anybody quality. I mean, give me a break. I mean, they'll they'll look for anything. They'll look for ball placement issues. They'll look for anything <laughs> that they can hang their hat on. At the end of the day, like supporting your quarterback, I, I don't know why why it's been an issue in Philadelphia as of late. But uh, I, I think the the one main thing that you have to look at it's it's Jalen Hurts is, and how locked in he is. The focus is. Uh, is tremendous. Uh, I also saw one of the beat reporters trying to like get get a quote out of him, and you know, like, are you satisfied? And now that you've shown uh, what you can do against Carson Wentz, he's like, nah, it's not about that. It's 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 about, and it's 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 always a we situation with him. It's not about I. It's it's about the faceless opponent, and I, he he lives in that coach speak world, and that's not a lot of players. Some will talk the talk, but not walk the walk. He's all about that you know i, I uh, met with one of the uh, eagles pr folks um at the eagles autism challenge and, and he was like i said what is it like you know how is it like with jalen's like he makes my job so easy he's like what you see is what you get 
Um, I, I think it's it's resonated in the locker room. It started started years ago, but I think everyone's believing in the standard that the Eagles are trying to uh, portray out there. It's it's a real thing. Um, you know, I think there's a really good vibe. You know, starting with uh, you know just keeping it light with the Darius Slay to to the the old wild wild veteran and uh, you know um, Brandon Graham, a guy you know three sacks. This guy's playing out of his mind as well at his age. Uh, it's a perfect blend of youth, of the youth movement and veterans, and it's they got some really great playmakers in here. I mean, this is to watch the wide receivers in Philadelphia succeed at the catch point and dominate at the catch point. High point balls, uh, making ridiculous catches. It, I, the, the the league is on notice. They they they've seen they've seen the flashes. It's it's real. Now it's all coming together. It's couldn't have gelled any more beautifully. And I, I said it last segment, the Eagles are actually favored in every game the rest of the season, but sticking with Jalen because he was criticized coming into the season. They said, well, how do we know he's improved? I said, well, I heard his confidence is a lot greater and his release is getting faster, but you know, people wanted to nitpick on the accuracy issues. And not only has he proved to be a short to intermediate passer, his deep ball, Brian Baldinger said he is the best deep ball thrower in the National Football League right now. That's coming from a guy that lives, eats, breathes film all day long. So, I mean, all these haters can say what they want. The proof is in the pudding. But to me, that's been one of the most impressive things. And even the incomplete passes downfield that that aren't completed, like you said, it puts the, lead, it puts the defense on notice. They got to respect that. And then they come back underneath. There's Goddard taking the screen to the house. There's uh, Devonta Smith on the cross route taking it 31 yards. There's Goddard, uh, uh, Calcaterra making big things happen. So, I mean, it's like pick your poison. They got the triplets. They got even wide receiver four and five. Oh, by the way, a three-headed monster in the backfield. How do you? How do you? If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have a pretty good defense this week, how do you? How do you stop this offense? I think I think it's tough. I mean, because at the at the end of the day, you have Jalen who's firing on all cylinders. Um, you talked about last year, you know, the middle of the field, you know, the thing they, you know, they were talking about that. He's got a player like AJ Brown who can get yak for days, uh, take you know, um, you know, the coverage and have him roll it his way, and that leaves a guy like Quez oh, Quez Watkins taking the top off the defense or Dallas Goddard uh, being an afterthought. Um, it, it's just you know, you talk about that. Um, I think his his ball placement on these deep, deep these deep throws are amazing. I, I think he's done he's done the little things. That's what a lot of people aren't really talking about the nuance to his game, his footwork, marrying his footwork to his to his uh, uh, presence in the pocket, um, and just the trust factors there. He, you know, he he's he's been locked in. He he's been dialed in all off season from what I've heard. Um, he, he turned down a lot of big opportunities to do other things outside during the offseason, but he stayed oh, home and really just really just did his 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 work. And um, that's the little things that it's not sexy. It's not it's more uh, mental preparation, uh, technique and fundamentals. His, his footwork is phenomenal. I think uh, he, he's made a rise that uh, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of people didn't were doubting that uh, he could get there. And um you know, one thing that I I never doubted it was his his mental capacity to uh, just lead this football team and become a better player. 
Yeah, and they're still doubting. We're talking to Gail Saunders here, fourth and John, uh, on the football playbook with Rick Saratella. So, you know, it, it's Coach Sariani said it's almost like he's the son of a football coach. He was joking in the press conference, right? And you know, it's it's interesting because on the broadcast of Monday Night Football, Troy Aikman was talking about um, Saquon Barkley. They they had talk in the uh, leading up to the game, and Barkley had said something about his confidence was down last year and he didn't have the confidence and people don't realize what how much that how important that is especially at the quarterback position and everybody that I knew connected to the team was telling me Jalen's confidence is at an all-time high Jalen's confidence and you saw him call that big audible and he Mm -hmm. you know made a big play there so I mean there's so much to talk about we could spend the whole segment on Jalen Hurts I'm sure but let me let me shift gears a little bit to the defensive side because I did see a quote from Hassan Reddick. He said, we're nowhere near where we need to be yet. Coming off, coming off of a nine-sack uh, dominant uh, uh, performance there by the defense. You know, I was hoping for the shutout. But, I mean, you're 3-0. and The pressure got dialed up, I think, 36.5% of the time, you know, from week one where it was 16%. We've seen it jump from week to week to week. Uh, Reddick, you know, was kind of off to a slow start. What do you make of Reddick's role? What do you make of the defensive line rotation? Uh, and he says they're nowhere where they need to be. What is it, Gail, exactly that they need to get better at? Well, I think it's, uh, I mean, at the last two games, you're talking about giving up seven points in, in, uh, both games, you're, you're talking about a, a, a dominant performance and, and knowing that they haven't played their best yet. You talk about uh you know the offense carrying them in the in the first game, uh you know the defense didn't get it together in the first game. But I my my thing that I was always saying I was like just let them settle in. I feel like they've settled in. Uh, I think the the combination of a Bradbury and Slay, you know I, I spoke to uh, Brandon Graham in the off season. He said you know Bradbury is the, one of the guys who picked up this defense fast. Like he is a smart dude. Uh, you see what he they're doing, the combination of uh, – and the other – Avante Maddox, uh, another guy Ooh, who's yeah. not talked about enough. I think all the trio of those guys are uh, really solid. I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he's, he's coming into his own as well. Uh, Epps is, is taking that step as uh, on the back end as well. He's also a little thumper. Um, but I think, you know, that rotation, I think they're still figuring it out a little bit, but I think – as you're seeing Jordan Davis uh, get some some pressure in there early, I think uh, right right off the, the very uh, first couple drives he was in there creating pressure. I think Hassan Reddick is he, he he's 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 trying to you know find that role, but I think he's he's getting getting that pressure. I like what he's bringing to the table. Um, Fletcher Cox uh, talked about uh, not getting in his own way um, as he might have been in the, in the past. That's kind of like. Uh, give him some insight to where he feels like he's having fun again. And and that's one of the reasons why coming back with this whole unit, it, it's so deep. And you have guys like two Pelotu on the back end who is like giving you meaningful snaps. And they're like, who is that? Like some other you know fans that don't aren't dialed in. They're just like, who is that? Sure. And I'm like, yeah. he, he's another guy that's in there as well. But I think Milton Williams um, is in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great, it's a great defensive line. And that's at the end of the day, I could, I could feel confident about the trenches. I mean, they, they did poor nineties, uh, what, 6 million between the offensive line and defensive line. So 
that's where the Eagles are making their money. You could you could talk about the skilled players all you want, but the, the trench warfare has been tremendous, man. They're, they're really, you know, carrying this football team. They're very solid and they have solid backups. So when 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 the, the, the first front line gets tired, you got you got bad boys coming in off the off the bench ready and hungry. Yeah. No doubt. And I think Jordan Davis is a guy that's just going to get better as the season wears on. I think his role is going to continue to increase. And by the time you get to playoff football, I think Jordan Davis is going to be the X factor of this defensive line because he brings that fresh legs, the energy, the strength, the power, the size. I mean, this kid, there is no ceiling on what he can do. It's just a matter of coaching him up to be able to do it. And that's something I spoke to him at the Maxwell club. He said, I said, Jordan, what do you think about all these people saying you can't get after the quarterback? He's like, I hear you. I hear you. Like, <laughs> that's what I've been doing all off season uh, is working on getting better. So he's got that Mamba mentality. Um, you mentioned Avante Maddox to me. That was my favorite play of the game on the on the fourth down where he just rocked Logan Thomas on that fourth uh, and goal stop. And to me, that that basically was kind of how the game went. Like, you might get close, but we're going to shut you down. And you mentioned the defensive front. Nick Sariano, Sariani praised the trenches in his press conference. We talked about the great secondary. It's almost like guys – and T.J. Edwards was one of those guys in on the Jordan Davis sack – but it's like it's guys like TJ Edwards and Kaiser White. The Eagles haven't had stellar linebacker play in recent years, but they're they're playing at a very high level. But this whole defense is playing so well. It's guys like that are kind of going unnoticed. Yeah, that was actually my next point. I was gonna, I was like, I can't I can't forget to mention Kaiser White and and, <laughs> and, and TJ Edwards. TJ Edwards is a guy who's, you know, he he's worked his way from, you know, uh, you know undrafted free agent practice squad to to finding a role on this team uh to get earning a, a contract um he he's he's really you know at the end of the day you, this is what you want from veterans that are on your team that you draft in the kobe dean everyone's like where's the it's really what you know tj edwards you know took that personal like and i like i like i like that and he showed up he's been running around the field you know they called him a two down thumper coming out of wisconsin but like he's He's, he, you know, you make your money, you know, being a, as a linebacker playing on third downs. And I think uh, him and Kaiser White have been uh, a sound group. I, they have a great uh, front in front of them to protect them at times. So I think, but with their speed and their uh, ability to come down and play downhill, you, that's what you like to see. And I think Nicobe Dean, for all you Nicobe Dean, Dean stands out there, like patience, young Padawans. I mean, He's going to be okay. Like he's in an incubator system with a lot of great dogs. And, you know, as much as you, you know, Jordan Davis is coming into his own, like, again, he's around a lot of great guys and Javon Hargraves, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. He's, he's downloading all the moves that he needs to be learning. I think uh, once he gets to that level, just like you said, uh, down the road, he's going to be a uh, next factor. No, I love the analogy, and it's just a great luxury that the Eagles have. And I would say, I would argue now, TJ Edwards has become a four-down player because he's playing special teams. He gets, you know, seven to ten special team snaps a game in as well. So from your starting uh, middle linebacker, uh, Gail Saunders here on the Football Playbook with Rick Saratella on this Tuesday, September 27th. A terrific first place Tuesday, by the way. 
Uh, I want to pick your brains, though, on the special teams, Gail, because this is the one area. If there is a weakness, I would say it's special teams. And I don't want to call it a weakness, but offense is clicking. Defense is clicking. They got some decisions to make here. And, you know, you were at the game, so you probably didn't hear the broadcast that kept calling Kobe the, the human crash test dummy because, as you saw, he was taking some big-time hits. I noticed that there was uh, early on in the game, Devonta Smith was back there fielding a punt. I remember week one, A.J. Brown was back there fielding a punt. Not a couple Quez of things. was back there. Um, yeah, Quez was back there. So Austin Scott. Um, it's, it's funny. I mean, and, and they got a decision to make because they elevated Kobe for the third time from the practice squad. So they either got to put him on the 53 man or, or make a decision here. What, what is the uh, GM Gail Saunders do with this situation? Well, it's funny because when, when Covey was actually picked up, he was a guy that I was like, don't be surprised if he makes this team. I was like, you know, I've done, I was like, I was, I was telling all Eagle fans that listen to our podcast Go check out his his video on YouTube breaking down punt returns and uh, special teams returns. He was a big part of the plan, uh, planning some of the uh, the returns at um, at Utah. Uh, like the way that he speaks about punt returning, it's almost like you're talking to a special teams coach. I, I know as a at a high school, his parents actually would hire one of the, I think it was the BYU punter to punt to him as a high school student. Um, he like he's. He's super locked in as a as a punt returner. I think we were looking for consistency. Just I'm, we're talking the catch point as a punter. You're talking about having Rager and you're it's it's crossing your fingers like just having Covey back there just to catch the punt and make it look easy. I know he did and he did uh, uh, fub one earlier in in the game. I was like, oh, Covey dropped one. I was like, okay, but he they he did get it back. But um, at the end of the day, you know, you're you're trying to figure out what he is as a player, you know, can he break some of these? Cause I mean, you look at the Ohio state game where he ripped off a big uh, punt return. He, he's got that in, he's got that in him. So we'll see what happens. I think, uh, you know, I think Eagle fans just want everything perfect at this moment. Like, <laughs> you know, like, did you, did you, have you seen everywhere else? Everything is amazing, but you know, I think uh, we'll get there. I think I, when I was, I was very surprised to see Devontae Smith back there. Do you like that though? Do you because Sirianni said, "Hey, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see how the season goes on." Do you think it's too much of a risk for injury to put him back there, or do you like that big play threat of having you know, Deshaun Jackson type? I, I remember when they they would throw Deshaun back there at big big time moments where they wanted to get a spark. But I think you can, as a you know the the punt team going down there, a different returner that can change things. You know, different returners have different. We'll see the field differently. So if you you feel like you want to spark some things up here and there. I'd rather, I'd rather have Devonte Smith being the route guy junior that I know he is and making big plays. I mean, that dude is what he did last week. Tremendous. That guy's exactly what we hoped he, he'd be. Yeah. Career high, I believe 169 receiving yards and uh, they'll try to do it again this week against the Jaguars. So let me pick your brain on this since you are, like the president of the Philadelphia Eagles fan club here, what kind of reception? I mean, we saw Wentz, we saw the treatment you guys gave Wentz. What kind of reception is uh, Mr. Doug Peterson going to get from the hometown crowd? Do you think? Yeah. The well, first, like before I go into Doug, the Wentz, I mean, Eagle fans were giving it to Wentz the whole game. They were yelling Carson 
Carson. It was they were heavily booed, and he was very shook. Uh, shout out to Mob Deep. I was saying if it was a tune, <laughs> I would like shook ones would be the tune because uh, he was shook the whole game. But um, I think it's gonna be a different um, it's gonna be a different reception for Dougie P. Um, he's a guy that a lot of Eagle fans sees. Hey man, he, he got us the first Super Bowl. No, there's been championships. I'm just saying Super Bowl got us the first Super Bowl and everyone loves uh, what he brought to the table. Um, so I think he's going to get uh standing. O. I think so. You know, as he deserves to. Right. Yeah, I mean, as he deserves to. I got an opportunity. Uh, he had there's an event where he was, uh, you know, it was after the Super Bowl and he was promoting this this wine or whatever. And, you know, he's he's. You know, you get to drink with uh, Dougie P. It was, it was for me. It was a special moment. Like this, is the Super Bowl winning head coach. I'm, you know, toasting with the with the coach. Amazing moment. I thought that was great. I think uh, Eagle fans, is, Eagle fans are weird. It's like there, are, there will be the a faction of the Eagle fans that will probably boo because they just it's in their nature. They booed the uh, the kid that was picking up the tea um, against Washington. They booed the. Uh, they beat, booed the sick, the, the the cheerleaders. They, they actually booed the people singing the national anthem because they weren't singing loud enough. So Eagle fans ended up singing the national anthem in harmony. It was it was a great moment. Like these are the things that as you go to take over games, you get these really cool experiences. Like you know, like Eagle fans are nuts. Oh, one other thing, the you know how the how the Eagle fans fell out of the stadium last year. Yes, there's so a big they, lawsuit they, about that. By the way. One of one of my one of our one of our guys we, we had him on our podcast. He's part of that lawsuit actually, um, but they reinforced the 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 area where they fell out. So Eagle fans got there early, approached the, the the sacred spot, and they had caution tape wrapped around them, and they were mocking the security. And then uh, they they took the caution tape for them. They were a little upset, so they got a good good ten minutes of fun. That's 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 what Eagle fans are. They're, they 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 get the inside joke better than anyone. No, I love it, and I promise you, I'm gonna get down to a tailgate uh, one of these days. Now we have uh, the Jaguars coming up, then at Arizona, and then back at home for the Cowgirls. Uh, I gotta ask, will you be will you be making the trip out to the desert now for the Cardinals game? I, I will be. Uh, we're joining Philly Sports Church for that. We've been. Uh, getting fans to sign up for that. It's going to be a great time. I think um, it's, it's it's a great ride. I've been telling people, I mean, I've, from Detroit to Washington to to Arizona, it feels like we've been on tour with this team. And it's a, uh, it's a great, like this, these are the kind of, you're feeling the energy. Like it's, it's a snowball effect. Now fans are talking about, Hey, I'm going anywhere. The Eagles are playing. I'm going, that's, the, this is the vibes that I'm getting from a lot of Eagle fans. Um, and they travel well. And I think, Again, um, and I'm not taking anything away from any teams that we're playing, but just the way that the Eagles are playing right now uh, as a unified group, it's not just a on the field presence; it's an off the field presence. This is a team that's been uh, they, they seem very well connected, and a team that's playing for the coach and their quarterback, and they have the city behind them. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's scary a scary combination. Yeah, you got to enjoy the ride. So tell the tell the listening audience at home because we've got nothing but Eagles fans watching and, and listening. How can they get on board if they want to make that trip out 
to Arizona or any of the road games. I know you coordinate these things. So where can they? Yeah. Um, you can check out, check out Philly sports trips.com. Uh, they have, uh, you know, if you, you want to get a ticket for, they have, you know, if you want to get a ticket for the game, they have a couple packages, tickets to the game, tailgate and whatnot. Uh, we're flying out there. I mean, we, they, they charter their own Eagles plane. There's just nothing but Eagles fans. So it's going to be, <laughs> It's gonna be a wild one. I hope the the chance are. I hope you make it to the game. God. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But if you want, you want to check out our uh, podcast, uh, we're at uh, Fourth and John on all socials. Check us out, uh, Fourth and John. If you if you want to want to hear perspective of Eagle fans that are uh, there on the ground, boots on the ground, and just live the everyday culture of a Eagles fan, because um, we are Eagle fan at the end of the day. I like to call myself a fanalist. Uh, you know, I try, I try to break it down like Rick. You know, he's he's the draft god over there himself. I'm so. crying over here, brother. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why we have you on, man. And I appreciate the insight. I love uh, hearing these the the stories from, like you said, boots on the ground. And I know we got to get you out of here, but before we do, and I promise uh, all of our Eagle fans will have Gail Saunders back. Make sure you go listen to the podcast, Fourth and John. But we do got to get a prediction from you on the books here for this upcoming Jaguars game. I thought it was uh, surprising. They opened as a touchdown favorite with the way the Jaguars just took the chargers to the woodshed. It's come down now, I think down already to six and a half, six points. How do you kind of see the outcome here? I'm I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I mean, they've been putting up points. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say 30. I'm going to go 30 to 17. Okay, there you have it. Official and, uh, prediction I, on the records. <laughs> I'm not even like it's. I I love what I see from this team. I I really, I I you know they've you know this that Jaguars team lost to uh, Washington. Yeah, they you know did. they, you know they they uh you know they beat a Colts team that's not super impressive. But uh, they did beat the Chiefs, the Colts. Okay, and then uh, <laughs> this is and then uh. And then uh, the Chargers were missing some some players, and then their quarterback's been beat up. I'm not going to take it away from them. They yeah. did what they did. Yeah, starting starting little culture. I like the culture with Dougie P. And so C. you're saying mm-hmm. they didn't really beat nobody. I mean, <laughs> well, well, now, well, now you got to see the Eagles. Now you got to see the Eagles. Like this is a complete team right now. No Come doubt. Come check. Come check the Absolutely. Eagles. <laughs> no, we appreciate the time. That's Gail Sir. Saunders, everybody. Fourth and John. Uh, does a great job here for us on the football playbook. When we come back, we'll get the flip side of the perspective. Our guy, uh, Austin Lane, former Jacksonville Jaguar, current mixed martial art uh, phenomenon, will join us after the commercial break. Hit the like button. We'll be back right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 
58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. at it again the football playbook tfb with ric here on our 21st episode counting you down to the super bowl out in arizona counting you down to the nfl draft just 212 days away check us out over at nfldraftbible.com we're partnered up with sports illustrated we got over 400 scouting reports already for the 2023 nfl draft and beyond uh just wanted to take a quick second here to shout out our sponsors, Ocean Casino Resorts, your home for pre and post game. Uh, make sure you go and visit their website. Make sure you go visit the gallery, get down on it, 
and uh, hit the like button. If you like the show, if you like the programming, you can click subscribe, get notified of all the uh, Jacob Sports YouTube channel programs. We're here live 12 hours each and every day. And uh, we appreciate all the love and support, especially in the chat room. Uh, you know, I, I, I like to get interactive. Sometimes it's hard for me to keep up with the chat room, but I, I appreciate uh, some of the comments I see out there floating around. Jay, uh, thank you so much for the love and, and the kind words. Uh, Marina, she said, uh, if the Eagles don't win by more than 10 against the Jaguars, they're pretenders, not a contender. I could have been somebody. Um, Craig T. Smith, always great to see him. Longtime scout in the chat room. Jeremiah, all you guys out there. I see you, Jeremiah, Daniel, Presidential Mike. Where's Birdman today? Ronald, uh, 007. John Dickerson, always trying to help me get my likes up in the algorithm game. So uh, big shout out to all the chat room people. And listen, if you got a question, let me know. Drop it in. I'll try to answer it or tone will uh, bring it to my attention and we'll do the best I can there. But I love to get interactive with all my chat room people. Um, you know, it's getting hot in here because our next guest, uh, is a former Jacksonville Jaguar and, uh, he came across my timeline, you know, the Jaguars are doing big things and I just saw him. Oh, I don't know. Not too long ago, doing some media stuff down there at the senior ball, hanging out. I know he's doing some writing for sports illustrated. And then all of a sudden on the late night, he came across my timeline and I see, Austin Lane going, Duval! Let's welcome him in here to the Football Playbook Show. There he is, Austin. Good morning, my man. What's happening? What's up, man? Good morning. Hey, do you want me to go horizontal quick so we get the whole screen in here? Is oh, man, that? we can flip it and reverse it, get Miss, Missy right. Elliott on him. We had a we had a mob deep reference last segment. We'll go Missy Elliott this segment, but, man. I like, I like it. <laughs> I like what you're doing, and we'll get into some Jaguars talk, but I really had no idea that you were into the whole uh, MMA scene and uh, mixed martial arts. And uh, congratulations. I see you're 12 and three kicking yeah, some yeah. ass out there. So, yeah. uh, like I said, last time I saw you, you were doing some media stuff. How did the MMA deal come about? Yeah, you know, so MMA has always been there since I retired from the league back in 2014. You know, I had my last year in Chicago. Um, I actually started MMA as a way to train for my hands because I was, I was a defensive end slash linebacker. Um, so I went to the MMA gym, you know, get, get my hand speed up a little bit, increase my hand strength because when you're rushing the passer, uh, those are two key things. So went to an MMA gym, fell in love with it right away. Um, it was also a, like a, they did jujitsu, so I fell in love with that. So I kind of knew like during the offseason, I'd be training all these techniques and everything, these disciplines. I knew once football was done, MMA was going to be in my back pocket. So once I retired from the league back in 2014, I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy transition. Let's go be a fighter now. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. 12 and three doing big things in the, in the ring and uh, your Jacksonville Jaguars are doing big things. It, it, it's been a while since they gave us something to cheer Ooh. about. And uh, <laughs> here in Philadelphia, we're excited to see Doug Peterson, our good friend. It looks like he's got this team turned around and you've, you've obviously got your finger on the pulse still with the team and yeah. Trevor Lawrence has taken this big step. What a, what, what kind of team are the Eagles going to be seeing here this upcoming Man, Sunday? you know, you're, you're going to be, first of all, a very surprising team. You know, I think the consensus around Jacksonville when Doug Peterson came in here, it's all right, it's going to take some time, you know, because you essentially had to right the wrong that was Urban Meyer the previous year. You know, I mean, the locker room was a mess. Um, you saw it on the field, only winning like, two games. Like, that was a mess. There, there was a lot of things to fix. 
Um, you know, you saw in free agency a little bit, a few moves here or there. Um, Christian Kirk obviously probably being the biggest signing in terms of how much they paid him. And at the time, I think he was like the number six highest paid wide receiver in the league. Now that's kind of gone down a little bit with inflation and everything. So there was a there was a lot of people who were skeptical. And, you know, even in the first week against Washington, um, it was a close game, but we, we all saw it before. You know, we've seen the missed field goals. Uh, we saw Trevor Lawrence be able to close it at the end. And it was like, oh, here we go again. Well, then Indianapolis comes to town. You know, we essentially curb stomp them, which we always seem to do when Indianapolis comes to town. So it's like, okay, we're, we're accustomed to seeing Indianapolis lose. But to me, that Chargers game was very telling. Now, yes, Justin Herbert wasn't 100%. They had some key injuries. But the way the Jaguars dominated that game in all three phases, that's the game right there that's kind of given us hope a little bit. Uh, and that's the game now where it's like, you know what, we expected this team to – to take some time to try to build again. But you look at your Trevor Lawrence's progression. You look at Trayvon Walker. Um, you know, you, you look at a very young linebacking core who's playing very well right now. And it's all of a sudden it's like, you know what? These guys might be ahead of schedule. And with the leadership of Doug Peterson, this guy could be the limit. Yeah, and the AFC South, I don't care what anybody says. That's up for grabs. I think anybody could take that. You mentioned the Colts team. They just beat Kansas City, so they're – somewhat maybe good we don't know yet we're still finding out we're still finding out about the Jaguars team but much like the Eagles you know they beat up on the commanders and 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 Minnesota week too a lot of people didn't see that coming I didn't see the Jaguars I actually did pick them to win that game by the way just saying but I didn't <laughs> think they were going to win by four touchdowns um mm -hmm. we're talking to the great Austin Lane of course uh former defensive end extraordinaire. I remember you coming out. We'll talk about that. But you mentioned sure. Trayvon Walker, the overall number one pick. Um, they've got somewhat of a good pass rush between him and Josh Allen. I remember Josh Allen coming out of yeah. Kentucky. Walker, yeah. obviously, from Georgia. Um, you know, man, this might be the toughest pass rush the Eagles have faced to date so far. You know, and, and there was definitely some question marks where I was concerned was more of the interior pass rush. You know, I mean, it's great when you have two legitimate edge rushers like a Josh Allen, now Trayvon Walker. But if you don't have the interior, um, sometimes that doesn't really matter, right? If the, the quarterback can step up, what's the point? You know, you, you guys had Fletcher Cox for how long who made such a big difference with that pass rush and just because his ability to move the pocket inside. Well, now you have guys like Roy Robertson-Harris. You have guys, um, you know, like Arden Key on the outside is doing well as well. But you also have, you know, just like the interior pass rush is doing pretty well for this team. And that, to me, was kind of unexpected. So you couple that now with the, the emergence of Trayvon Walker, who's a freak of nature in terms of wingspan, speed, athleticism. You couple that with Josh Allen, who's going on, I think, you know, his third or fourth year now. He's doing very well. Um, you know, he's kind of coming into his own, being a leader of this defensive front. You have a lot of good things that you'd like to see on that Jaguars defensive line. Yeah, and now uh, this Devin Lloyd is getting into the mix. They just drafted him. Uh, a lot of yeah. people thought, you know, Devin Lloyd, N'Kobe Dean, they thought we're like kind of the two best inside linebackers coming out. Lloyd is cleaning up uh, anything that gets into the second level. I think he had 14 tackles maybe a week ago. So, And well, then the back end, yeah. Yeah. It's super telling, too, for Devin Lloyd because Lloyd was a guy who missed the entire preseason, essentially. You know, missed oh, I wasn't aware of that. What happened yeah. there? Uh, so I think he had like a, it was a hamstring. It was like a you know soft tissue injury, which can be lingering, so you're always nervous about those. But yeah. when you're talking about a linebacker coming from college in his first year in the NFL, you know, there's such a transition in terms of obviously learning the playbook, number one, but communication 
trying to diagnose things. So I was very worried when Lloyd actually came back, you know, the, the first game of the season. I'm like, well, he's going to be behind the eight ball a little bit just because it takes so much time to acclimate yourself coming from the college game to the pro game. I, I, I don't know what the case may be. I don't know if it's the position coach. It's just his, his ability to learn. But he hasn't skipped a beat. And it, it looks like he's playing at a very high level. He's making plays that, you know, veterans make. Um, and in terms of communication, which has been such a it's been such an Achilles heel for this Jaguars defense for so long. You're seeing the communication. You're you're seeing audibles. You're you're seeing guys on the same page, which is refreshing to see. once again, such such a young team on that defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah, and I was gonna say too in the back end, I like this kid Andre Cisco when he was coming out yeah. of Syracuse, man. And uh, you could probably this guy's ripped. Uh, yeah. Last time I saw him, man, but he, he would have went higher. He had an injury coming out of Cuse. I think he went early second, but, you know, he was considered a first-round pick. So you got him on the back end. All three levels of that Jaguars defense have got some high picks, some top talents. And yeah. uh, anything you want to add to to the Jaguars secondary there? Or? No, I absolutely said it right. You know, um, when you talk about Andre Sisko, this is a guy who plays with bad intentions. And, and that's what you want out of your safety. He's going to be in the box a little bit too. And if you look at the AFC South, of who you have to go through, you have to go through Jonathan Taylor. You have to go through Derrick Henry. You know, you, you have to go through a Houston Texans offense that's more keen to running the ball than passing the ball. So that this team has to be stout in the run game. They have to bring two chin straps per game. And a guy like Andrew Cisco fits right into that kind of mold. Yeah, I remember uh, being up at Syracuse and talking to uh, Coach Dino Babers and uh, I, I, I took a glance at this kid, Cisco. I said, Coach, where, where, where did you find this guy? He goes, you know, his off-season workout regimen, and he must have went down to Walmart and picked up some traps, biceps, and triceps. He came back to his all jacked up. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you know, he could lay the luck. He might have an MMA career in the Manchester football. Dude, dude is seriously built like a G.I. Joe, man. Like, he's, uh, he's yeah, he's a specimen, to say the least. Oh, man. Austin Lane here joining us, doing a great job giving us the Jaguars perspective, getting you ready for the uh, Jaguars-Eagles matchup. And I know you're a defensive-minded guy, but you mentioned the development of Trevor Lawrence. And, they, you know, the Eagles' backfield, they use a committee approach. So do the Jaguars. You know, getting this Travis Etienne back is like kind of adding a another first-round pick to the equation. And he's kind of a jackknife, too. He could line up. He could be yeah. a receiver. He could be a pass catcher, a running back. But the combination of Robinson and Etienne in the backfield, I think, is also kind of maybe uh, lessen the pressure of uh, Trevor Lawrence, maybe. No, and you absolutely hit the nail on the head. You know, I mean, obviously there's been a big deal now with Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, finding love in the pass game and finding success. But to me, this all has stemmed from the run game. Um, and you see with Doug Peterson about how he's calling this offense. You know, if we if we go back to last year with Urban Meyer, James Robinson was a guy who kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Whether Urban wasn't a big fan of him, whether it was a lack of speed, whatever the case may be, you didn't hear a lot about James Robinson last year. Now, he had an injury, too, so that, that goes into a point. Um, his rookie year, if you remember, undrafted free agent out of Illinois State, comes in, essentially wins the starting gig over Leonard Fournette, and they let Leonard Fournette go. The the, I guess the evolution now that we've seen of James Robinson, in my opinion, is the biggest reason why the Jaguars are so successful right now on offense. And if you want to go back in time, it reminds me a lot of what Doug Peterson had back in Philly uh, back in 2017 when he had a guy by the name of LeGarrette Blount. 
Um, you know, he was never a guy that was maybe going to break all these tackles and get like these 90 yard touchdowns. Um, he didn't have, he didn't have like the breakaway speed, but he was dependable. A guy that could run between the tackles, get you four or five yards per carry, lower your shoulder, and really develop a physical type of game set. That's what James Robinson has done now for this team. And yes, you sprinkle on some Travis, you know, ETN and everything like that in the past game, almost like an Alvin Kamara slash Mark Ingram when they first started out in New Orleans. It's a great piece to have, but make no mistake about it. This offense right now, it goes through James Robinson. Yeah, and you know we were on it at the NFL Draft Bible. We had a, a Robinson as a top 100 player. We were yeah. shocked when he went undrafted. Uh, Illinois State, the Redbirds. You the know, Redbirds. Uh, and, 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 you know, I was disappointed. He didn't, he didn't get a senior bowl invite. He was down at the East-West Shrine game, had himself a heck of a week. Here comes draft weekend, I'm saying. What did something happen? Is is my eye off? Or do I need a prescription? Because to your point, he's a tough, hard nosed runner. Now, I think the forty yard dash time wasn't great. Sure. Maybe that was the deal coming from the FCS. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I remember your forty yard dash time coming out of Murray State. Now and uh, back in the day, I mean, it's it's like a regular thing now with with these big. Uh, Jordan Davis guys running these phenomenal 40 yard dash times, but 10, yeah. 10, 12 years ago, what I have you here, six foot five, 276. You ran a four, five, eight coming out of yeah. Murray State. So that's that, that's what they said. That's what the coaches reported. Now that, that might be like a 39 yard dash. Um because uh, <laughs> then I go to the combine and run a four eight. So um it is what it is. But yeah, man. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was it was when I ran that 40 yard dash in my college. I was probably like around 250, 260. And then when I reached the combine, um, I was almost 280. And it's wild to see just the evolution now of the defensive end of the edge rusher. Because when I was coming out back in 2010, it was all about the, the big four, three defensive ends. You know, like the, the three, four defense, a few teams were running those at the time. But it was more about, okay, if you're a defensive end, you got to be big, you got to be stout, and you got to be able to move pretty well as well. Uh, as well. Now you see these defensive ends. I mean, you know, the Bond Millers, the smaller guys. I mean, if you're 240, even if you're 235, as long as you're quick, you're fast twitch, they can find a spot for you. Yeah, and, you know, I do. I want to talk a little bit more about when you were coming out because I, I remember it like yesterday. I can't believe it was 12 years ago. I'm dating the both of us now. But yeah, um, yeah for sure. <laughs> talk about coming out of Murray State. We talked about James Robinson, an FCS product who – all he did was rewrite the record book and still couldn't get drafted. You were yeah. taken, I think, somewhere like in the fifth round back in 2010. Yeah. Take us through that process uh, coming out of Murray State. What was it like? Did it, were a lot of scouts coming through your senior season, or were you kind of unsure where you might fit in the draft process? No, I mean, so, you know, Murray State is a crazy story in itself just because that was my only scholarship offer that I had. Um, wow. So. Yeah, so, you know, obviously I took it and I roll with it. Basically, coming from a small town in Wisconsin, nobody was giving me any kind of looks. Um, I was getting recruited a little bit by the Wisconsin Badgers and Barry Alvarez at the time. But unfortunately, Barry's last year was my senior year when he left and then Brett Bielma came in. Um, for whatever reason, just wasn't a fan of me. So uh, Murray State called me a week before signing period, offers me a scholarship. I thought it was in New York, ended up being Kentucky, didn't even visit the spot. <laughs> Um, I ended up having you know a blast for for four years when I was there. But in terms wow. of that, 
that you're talking about, it was wild, you know, especially when you come from a smaller school, uh, teams want to do their due diligence on you, you know, they, 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 they want to pick your brain and everything. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of my senior year at practice, uh, we practice in the mornings around 6 to 30 um, in the morning. You know, we'd have maybe three or four scouts out there at a time. And then after practice, before school, I would go meet with them, have to get on the board, draw stuff up, whatever the case may be. So it was definitely uh, – it, it, was, it was a really cool experience that I'm blessed to go through. But at the same time, it was a lot, you know, and especially with me, I had anywhere from a third round grade to an undrafted grade. You know, that, that, that's what I was told. So when you're sitting in your house on draft day, you know, you get that phone call. There's a possibility of, you know, 30 teams or I'm sorry, 30 cities that you can probably live in. Uh, I'm thinking about that, but I'm also thinking, OK, well, it's the third round. Am I going to go here? Am I going fourth round? So it was definitely a stressful day. But thankfully, the fifth round uh, comes around. Pick 156. Jackson calls me up and the rest is history. Yeah, it worked out pretty good, I would say. And, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I know you got a little bit of a taste and in, in, in being the evaluator and the media. And I saw you down at the Senior Bowl. Are you? Do, you were doing some stuff for SI.com. Are you still doing the media stuff or is it just strictly MMA now? So it, it's strictly MMA for right now. Uh, I am doing some media stuff, but it's more of just, you know, stuff in Jacksonville. I actually have a morning show where it's like a top 40 station. So as opposed to talking about Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson every day, it's more Kim Kardashian and uh, Ariana Grande. So, so that was kind of a switch up for me. But I really enjoy that. You know, I'm a, I'm a very creative person. So anything I can do to try to bring my personality and create content, um, I, I'm all for, you know. But as far as, like, the, the NFL stuff and the, and the Sports Illustrated stuff, that, that, that's always still there as well. You know, I'm just – I'm so busy as it is right now. I take a break from it. But, I mean, I, I still follow the league very closely. I still have a lot of opinions about it. I mean, I think when I saw it at the Senior Bowl, maybe the last time was a couple of years ago. I remember I was so high on Debo Samuel. Um, I wanted the Jaguars to draft him, not so much just from the skill set, but also from the name. Uh, he's pretty badass in terms of if, you, if your name's Debo, you're going to be a star, number one. But I just I talked to him. I interviewed him. I loved his personality and his approach to the game. And sometimes those two things get lost in translation when we, th when we throw on those YouTube clips and we try to evaluate all this talent. Sometimes we actually sit down with somebody and you meet them and you get the, you know what they're all about. Um, that's That's a big deal as well. And that actually my very first interview – I ever did was with the guy you guys should know now by the name of Gardner Minshew. It was funny when we we're at the senior bowl. Um, it was Daniel Jones, you know. It was uh, Drew Locke, and they're all at these podiums. They're all you know all the reporters around them, and then we have this kid in the corner named Gardner Minshew who nobody was talking to. You know, he almost at the time he, he didn't have his mustache or anything. Looked like an insurance salesman more than anything. Didn't look like a football player that much, but I I knew his up. I knew his story. Uh, Washington State. I wanted to interview him, and I left that interview. Uh, we played it on the radio, and after that, I said, I don't know where he's going to go, and, but he's going to get an opportunity someplace, and when he does, I think he's going to make the most of it. I think he's a special dude, and, you know, he, he had that kind of that run in Jacksonville that was magical for a little bit. Unfortunately, yeah. we have Trevor Lawrence now, but uh, I still hold that guy in very high regard, and now he's in Philly with you guys, so. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's been everything uh, as advertised, and, you know, this is my 21st year covering the NFL draft, Austin. And I tell people this all the time. When you get to the NFL, as you know, it's such a thin line. Everybody's talented. Of course. It's a fine line talent level wise in terms of who makes the 53, who's on the practice squad, who's on the street free agents. It's really what's in here and in here. And those interviews, whether it's at the senior bowl or the comp, 
I learned over 21 years of this process, it's more about you're investing in the person more yes. than you are the skill set. Would you agree? Well, without a doubt, you have to be in the people business, you know, and I think that whole landscape now of, of how, you know, draft prospects get evaluated from NFL teams. I think that has changed a lot since I came out. You know, um, I think when I came out, it was a lot more of, you know, the physical attributes, the 40 yard dash times. But, you know, I, mean, I get it. Those are all still important and everything. Yes. But um, there's more important questions to ask in those interviews. For instance, like how does somebody learn that that, 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 that to me as a if I was a coach, that'd be one of the biggest questions I'm asking my, you know, my my prospect is, hey, how do you learn? Like, do you need me to show you? Do you want like a, a notebook? Like, how do you learn best? Because that, that's what it's all about. Like all these guys coming out of college. They're talented men, right? They're, they're, they're talented, all have different stories, but they're all athletic. They can all get the job done. But it's the it, once you understand of how players learn, how they go about their business and what they're all about, well, now you, you've unlocked so much more information, so much more criteria that is either going to fit your football team or is not. No, that's real talk right there with Austin Lane. Uh, host, uh, what's the name of the morning show? Let's get a, give it a little plug. Yeah, man. So it's uh, – Megan and Austin in the morning, 95.1 WAPE. So, yeah, man, it's uh, we've been doing it for about a year and a half now. Um, you know, I'm having a blast with it, like I said. I'm not, like, the, the biggest, like, pop culture Kim Kardashian, like, fanatic or anything, but I still have fun with it. What what city are you based in now? Oh, are so you... we're, we're, uh, we're, uh, I'm still in Jacksonville. Okay. All right. Yeah. Awesome. So now I know where to go. I'm not a bit – I don't know much about pop culture. I did see Kim Kardashian in this uh, – you know, Batman suit or something floating around. She looked like an hourglass. Well, so yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Rick. The, the big story right now that we're doing is that uh, Rihanna is going to be playing the Super Bowl. So we're all excited right. for that. We thought it was going to be Taylor Swift. That was the rumor on the street. Uh, and now we got Rihanna, which in my I mean, nothing against Taylor Swift. You know, she does her thing. But I mean, dude, you want to talk about like being in grade school again? And like you thought you think you're going to have Salisbury steak and it's pizza day because Rihanna got announced? That's where I'm at right now. So that one. Oh, man, I love it. All right, well, uh, before we get you out of here, give us the lowdown with your fighting career. Uh, you won your last fight, I believe. What's yeah. what's on deck? You have an opponent lined up? Where is it going to be? Are you, are you still negotiating that? How does it work? So, yeah, essentially, um, I fought this past Tuesday on Dana White's Contender Series. I uh, won my fight, signed a UFC contract for four fights, so now we're waiting to, to see who the next opponent's going to be. Um, I definitely got to, get, as you can probably tell on the video, I got to get my nose checked out first. I actually broke my nose three weeks before my fight. Um, so I had to get it set back into place and everything. So that was kind of a nightmare. And then of course, when the, when the fight happened last Tuesday, I once again got hit in the nose. So, um, I gotta take some time off of that, get my nose right. But hopefully by the end of the year, uh, I'm going to have a fight, man. And yeah, you know, it's just, um, it's just, it's another journey that I'm super excited about, super passionate about. Um, people think I'm nuts and I'm crazy, but it's like I always tell everybody, it's it's the ultimate form of self-expression. And I consider myself an artist. I fight on a canvas. I just don't paint on a canvas. I just fight on one. But I'm still an artist at the end of the day. I love it, brother. And I love oh. the fact that you went busted nose. We don't care. We're still going to go take care of our business. Do what you got to uh, do. Yeah. So hopefully we can have when the Jaguars are in the playoffs later on in the season, we'll bring you back and get a little playoff preview. But I do want to get a prediction from you on this upcoming uh Eagles Jaguars game. What do you got? You know, it's one of those things where I'm flying high right now, right? Um, this can go one of two ways. You know what? 
I'm going to ride the momentum, man. Go ahead and give me the Jaguars. Let's go 27 to 24, uh, Jaguars. And, and my prediction is going to be after that game, Jaguars fans are going to go wild in the streets of Philly, and they're going to steal the Doug Peterson statue and bring it back down I-95 and bring it back to Jacksonville. So we apologize for that in advance. But, yeah, the, the, that statue's coming back with us. Y'all can keep the full statue. We don't need that one. Didn't really work out here. It worked out for you a little better. So, But we're, we're taking the Doug Peterson statue. Man, I wouldn't expect anything less from you, Austin, after our conversation here today. And I know my producer, Tone, likes me to say goodbye to our guest before we go to the commercial break. But, Tone, there's only one way to end this segment on the football playbook brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts. Austin, you got to get us out of here on a Duval. Gotcha, man. All right, man. Duval. Hey, y'all stay casual, all right? Thanks for having me. We'll be back right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go back. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene 
Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, it's your boy. I'm right, seeing the place to be back here on TFB, brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts, and uh, just had a, a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking to Austin Lane, the former Jacksonville Jaguar, uh, current MMA fighter and host of um, his own morning show down there uh, in Jacksonville still. So, hey, that's what we like to do on the football playbook is bring a perspective from the other side of the field. So last week was Wentz week. This week is Dougie P week. Uh, Jaguars week. You heard him say they want to steal the statue. I see the people in the chat room saying not so fast, my friend. But, you know, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that conversation. And that's what we try to do here on the show. Uh, in fact, tomorrow we will have uh, Ashlyn Sullivan checking in. She's a reporter for the Jaguar JacksonvilleJaguars.com. So we'll continue to kind of get the Jaguars perspective on this upcoming Eagles matchup. We'll also have Glenn Irby from USA Today Eagles Newswire checking in uh, to give us his finger on the pulse. And then, of course, it's hump day. It wouldn't be a Wednesday without Kayla Santiago, our good friend from Delmarva Sports, always here to get us through the week. So another uh, jam-packed lineup for you tomorrow. And then uh, later on in this week, we'll have more Jaguars. I think Jimmy Smith. Said he's going to come on, the former Jaguars uh, wide receiver. And Tony Baselli recently inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame alongside our good friend um, Dick Vermeil. So jam-packed uh, lineup for you here on the Football Playbook this week. We've got another half hour left in the show until the Sports Take guys take over at noon Eastern time. And I did forget to tell Austin to um, stay safe. In the hurricane, Hurricane Ian, Ion, uh, looks like he is wreaking havoc. And if you live kind of inside the bubble like I do uh, and you're not aware, uh, Hurricane Ian is, is making track. It's coming on the inside uh, coast of Florida this time in the Gulf Coast. So all of our uh, thoughts and prayers and, and, and support go out to the Floridians there. It's that time of year it's hurricane season and apparently uh I, I i just found out this morning this hurricane knocked out power on the entire island of puerto rico so the entire island of puerto rico uh which is about three million people they're just hanging out without any kind of power if you remember just five six years ago they got wiped out from hurricane maria they were still trying to recover from that 
So uh, uh, thoughts and prayers to Austin and everybody down there in Florida. We hope they stay safe and we're praying for the best there. Um, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation, though, about him coming out of Murray State. Not too many guys coming out of Murray State. And I love the analogy he used for let, um, James Robinson, you know, because he is a tough, hard-nosed runner. And people forget. James Robinson beat out Leonard Fournette. That's why they got rid of him. And Leonard Fournette was a first-round, top-round pick. They went with Robinson over Fournette. And now with this tandem of Travis Etienne, it's a heck of a backfield. And, and Jacksonville, you know, a lot of people raised eyebrows when they signed Christian Kirk to that big money deal. Little did we know how swiftly the uh, – wide receiver market would change because that now looks like a bargain for whatever they is the 16 million, 18 million a year. Everybody was like, well, Christian Kirk, he's not even really a number one guy. How could you pay him that kind of money? Well, take a look around at what some of these wide receivers got paid after that uh, signing. And uh, it's now looking like a good deal. They also brought in Zay Jones, uh, Evan Ingram, the new tight end over from the Giants. Travis Etienne, who was out last year, and even James Robinson, who was kind of banged up. This is an entire new-look offense that the Jacksonville Jaguars are bringing to town, and we spent a, a lot of time with Austin on the defensive side of the ball because that's where he's made a living. But, um, you know, hey, uh, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, you know, that's going to be a nice test for Jordan Mulata and um, – Lane Johnson. And who was it? I didn't catch the player. I saw somebody try to catch Mulata on a blindside blitz. Was it, was it a safety? I think it was a safety blitz and they try to catch Mulata on the blindside and Mulata just planted him. Tone, do you, do you have a, any idea who that was by any chance? Oh, wild goose. <laughs> Thanks. It was Richard wild goose. And, um, Wild Goose had a rough day, didn't he? <laughs> Pass interference, laundry on the field, Malata rock. Maybe maybe Malata knocked some sense into him to never try that again. <laughs> I get. I guess Richard Richard Wild Goose didn't get the uh, memo. He didn't get the uh, scouting report there on Malata. Um, by the way, the goose was cooked. Thanks, Tone. <laughs> By the way, we got to get our good friend Eugene uh, Chung back on because he he really uh, gushes over Jordan Mulata, and he had Mulata when he was a lump of clay. So um, we'll pop on Eugene Chung. Of course, I mentioned Tony Baselli. We'll have Coach Flip on Football Friday. And uh, one thing I did want to do, I know I teased it yesterday because I didn't have a lot of time to talk about college football with the, all the Eagles talk. I, I just want to sneak in a little bit of some college ball on you guys, because um, there's a game here on the docket uh, that I really wanted to highlight. Where is it? N NC state at Clemson. Okay. Uh, NC state at Clemson, two teams undefeated four and O this has big time ACC ramifications. And initially my initial top 10, uh, my college football rankings had NC State in the top five. I had them right ahead of Clemson because I had this game circled on the calendar. 
And I felt like this was a winnable game. Now it's in Clemson. It's going to be a primetime affair, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Clemson is favored by six and a half. But I'm telling you, folks, this is a coin toss game. And this is a this is a playoff elimination game because whoever loses this contest is going to have a very difficult time getting into the college football playoffs. And, you know, while they are going to expand it to 12 teams in the future, it's still four. DJ Ugalele, the Clemson quarterback who lost, I think he lost about 20 pounds in the offseason. He looks like a new man because he played at about 245 last year, almost like a, a Dante Culpepper type of frame. He lost like 20 to 25 pounds in the offseason. He slimmed up. He's more agile. He's more mobile. And we saw last week they had, they got into a shootout. Uh, Clemson did. DJ Ugalele had uh, five touchdown passes, uh, zero interceptions. He's playing at an all-time high uh, for the Clemson Tigers. And they they beat Wake Forest there last week uh, in double overtime, 51 to 45 did the Clemson Tigers. So they were just kind of hanging on, hanging on by the seat of the pants. North Carolina, they struggled in their first game, but they've since then got back on tr track and corrected that. Um, you know, they've beaten UConn, Texas Tech, Charlotte. Uh, they eked out the win against ECU in week one. But my guy, Devin Leary, He's not in the first round consideration, but Devin Leary, who's a Jersey product, by the way, I think he has a shot to be a day two or day three kind of developmental quarterback. And um, he's got nine touchdowns and two interceptions on the year, 890 yards passing on the, on the season. This is just another quarterback to keep an eye on. Austin mentioned Gardner Menchu last segment. You know, there's a lot of pending free agents. We've talked about this on this Eagles roster the way the quarterback market is is most likely going to be in this offseason, the chances of retaining Gardner Menchu are going to be tough. I don't want to say it's a 0% chance, but somebody is probably going to come and dangle a, a better offer for Gardner Menchu. And who knows? He might find a situation where he can compete for a starting job. I saw somebody say in the chat room uh, he, he is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. I would agree with that. If I was the New York Giants and – Gardner Menchu was my only other alternative. I would go Gardner Menchu over a Daniel Jones, who, as we all know, the Giants did not uh, exercise that fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. So Menchu could be moving on. We're trying to keep tabs on the top quarterbacks. And our good friend Albert Breer, I didn't get a chance to read the article. I just saw the alert. You got to be careful of the preseason hype. Right. Everybody was ready to anoint Tyler Van Dyke TVD as a first round quarterback. I'm not even sure he's going to start this week. He may have lost the job there to Jake Garcia. So what does that do? It kind of dampens his draft stock. And we mentioned Sam Howell for, for the Washington commanders, you know, this time last year or leading into the season, everybody was talking about how Sam Howell is, is a first round pick. Well, the year that's why they play the games, folks. The year didn't necessarily pan out according to plan. And, and Howell goes in the third. And you know, TVD, I mean, he's gonna probably be hitting the transfer portal, quite frankly. He's he's probably gonna have to go the Spencer Rattler route. Another guy that 
everybody was ready to anoint Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler, I mean, the guy's playing mediocre football down there at South Carolina now. So um, the way my board stacks, I now have Bryce Young as my number one quarterback, 1A, C.J. Stroud, 1B. And I was on my good friend Gabriel Morenzi's show uh, last night on Sirius XM, XM, the Sports Rage, and he wanted to ask me about Bryce Young. And I talked about the rare throws and plays that Bryce Young is able to make. Now, don't get me wrong. C.J. Stroud can make all the throws in the world. Um, he's got a hell of an arm. He even has better size. I think he's about six foot two. Bryce Young is about six foot. So if you want to talk about prototypical size, CJ Stroud checks off that box. Bryce Young, not so much, but there's been some rare plays that I've seen out of Bryce Young that I say, you know what? Not every quarterback can make that throw where he'll, he'll squeeze a ball into some tight windows and the ball velocity and the zip and the confidence in his arm talent to make the throw is just not something you see from uh, only a handful of quarterbacks can make these throws. The other thing that has surprised me with Bryce Young is his ability to improvise as well. And he's, I wouldn't call him a dual threat. I wouldn't call him a running quarterback, but he, the way he's able to extend plays in the pocket. And I've seen this guy dip his arm angles and throw some lasers from three quarters and, you know, he'll scramble around, extend plays, throw the ball opposite hash marks, which is like a number one no-no. And next thing you know, it's a big time play. And so I made the point where I was going with this on the Sports Rage show last night. I'll say it here on the football playbook is, you know, Mac Jones, his predecessor, had a heck of a supporting cast. I mean, talent galore. C.J. Stroud, look at some of the wide receivers he's thrown to. Marvin Harrison Jr. is another good one. Ekubi Ekubi is outstanding. This Alabama wide receiver mix, it's kind of, you know, next man up, every different, you know, there's no, like, there's no Devonta Smiths out there. There's no Jalen Waddles that I see. Um, And so with that being said, I came to the conclusion, and Alabama's had some good ones now. You can throw Jalen Hurts into the equation as well. Tua, Jalen, Mac Jones, who, oh, by the way, I saw is going to miss multiple games with an ankle injury. I'm starting to believe, while I won't say he's better than them now, I'm starting to believe that when it's all said and done and we do our evaluation come April, that Bryce Young is going to be a higher rated prospect in my book than any of those guys that came up before him. That's how high I am on Bryce Young. I, I really believe that he is a better quarterback prospect than Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, and Tua coming out of college. Now, remember, that doesn't necessarily translate to being a better pro. We just talked with Austin and we've echoed it with Jalen for the last month or so it's the intangibles that make Jalen Hurts so great now I did get a chance to speak to Bryce Young I spent probably about 15-20 minutes with them at the Maxwell Club ironically enough I didn't know I was going to wear the hat today and Des I agree you know the size 
you know, six foot, maybe if that it's going to be a problem for some decision makers. But I think the NFL, a lot of the younger general managers that have kind of flooded the NFL have thrown size requirements out the window. So in the, in the past, you're right. Size might be an issue. However, this, this kid's the real deal. This kid, Bryce Young, has got the goods. And so he is my number one quarterback on the big board as we sit here today on this September 27th. So I've got Young 1A, Stroud 1B. Slasher in the chat makes a good one. Caleb Williams, who's now at USC, transferred over from Texas. He's now with uh, Lincoln Riley there at USC. However, He's only a true sophomore, so he won't be draft eligible until at least 2024 for this year's draft. Because I agree, I'll throw Caleb Williams in the mix as, as one of the top quarterback prospects in the country, but he's not eligible for another two years. In terms of draft eligible quarterback, it could be Shador, Shador Sanders and Caleb Williams for the 2024 draft. Um, Jackson State doing big willy things, but... Um, I got Young 1A, Stroud 1B, and then Will Levis. You know, this guy, all he does is take care of business. And Kentucky, I think they have another big game. Alabama, by the way, on the road to 20th ranked Arkansas. So that'll be somewhat of a test. And I think they'll pass it with flying colors. They're favored by 17. I think they cover it by halftime. Um, Kentucky now, they're going to go on the road to Ole Miss. So Kentucky on the road to Ole Miss in another SEC undefeated matchup. Mississippi's laying six and a half. I got news for you. Kentucky might win this game. Kentucky might win this game. And I like I like me some Will Levis. He's my number three rated quarterback. And then, you know, here's where the, inter the, the conversation gets interesting because much like Malik Willis a year ago, Anthony Richardson's grades are going to be all over the map uh, in terms of the media. We'll get, we'll find out as we get closer to the draft, but I think I get the allure of a Richardson. He's one of the bigger quarterbacks. He comes in at about six foot four, 220 pounds. And I get the allure. He's big. He's strong. He's physical. He's a dual threat. In fact, He's probably a better athlete than Jalen Hurts, but a similar guy that can hurt you on the ground. Oh, and by the way, he'll lower the shoulder if he needs to. He had 453 uh, passing yards. Two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, over 100 yards rushing. But they lose to Tennessee. He also lost to Will Levis. Um, and oh, by the way, you could you could pretty much say her, Hendon Hooker of Tennessee outplayed Anthony Richardson in that game. Hooker looked like a very poised quarterback in the pocket who can take big hits, deliver the ball downfield. And truth be told, Hendon Hooker had a senior bowl invite on the table last year. I would assume he's going to get that invitation again. But, you know, with the COVID, everybody was granted that extra year of eligibility. Hendon Hooker came back to maybe refine some of his mechanics. Don't be surprised if he sneaks in 
to the back end of the first round conversation when it's all said and done. So I just wanted to get that in with some uh, big time college football matchups on the docket. Our good friend Dan Vandernat will be in on Thursday uh, to break break down some of these marquee matchups as well. Uh, my boys in Jersey, the Rutgers getting 40 from Ohio State. Come on, man. Show my Jersey boys some respect. I don't expect Rutgers to win. They're not going to lose by 40. 40? Come on. Um, Oklahoma State at Baylor, another ranked game to keep a lookout for. So that's your college football uh, report there. Will Anderson, by the way, is still my number one overall player. And I think that it'll be interesting when we get to the Heisman Trophy race, which I think, you know, the Heisman poll starts coming up uh, out around uh, Halloween. I think I think you could see a situation where Young and Will Anderson are stealing Heisman votes from each other, which could then open up the door for a C.J. Stroud Heisman campaign. So we've got a few weeks until we get there. Um, we got a few minutes until the sports take, guys. I did have some NFL news and notes to run by you real quickly here. Um, Mac Jones, I mentioned he had the ankle injury. He is now going to miss multiple games. And I think the New England Patriots season is out the window uh, with the way the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills are playing. I don't see a pathway for the New England Patriots to get into the playoffs. That's a big time loss. And is it going to be Hoyer time? Is Brian Hoyer the backup there in New England? I mean, listen, he knows the offense, but Hoyer, he's kind of like a poor man's Mac Jones. So the Patriots are going to be in trouble. Um, speaking of the Bills, speaking of the Bills, their secondary has got more holes than Swiss cheese. We've seen, we saw Tua carve it up. We saw the Chiefs carve it up in the playoffs. Um, they brought in Xavier Rhodes for a visit. Remember him? I think Florida State, first round pick by the Minnesota Vikings, currently on the street. So Xavier Rhodes in for a visit with Buffalo. Not sure if they have since signed him or not. Uh, but, you know, the Bills are looking for reinforcements in the secondary. That is the kryptonite of that vaunted Buffalo Bills team. And a big reason why, you know, I think they lost to the Miami Dolphins this past week. And then um, Miles Garrett um, seems to be okay. Was involved in a car accident yesterday. Uh, doesn't seem threatening in terms of keeping him out of any action, but it was serious enough from my understanding that he was taken to the hospital via ambulance after a car accident yesterday. So, um, again, we, we, uh, pray for the best with, uh, Miles Garrett and hope that he's okay. Cleveland just kind of trying to hang on until Deshaun Watson comes back. And our good friend, uh, Howard Balzer, who was on yesterday, made a good point. 26 teams now, after last night, 26 of the 32 teams are either one and two or two and one. So a lot up for grabs. The Browns just kind of trying to stay in the mix. Now, I don't know how many teams are 0 and 3, but I think it's like since 1990, 
over the past 32 years, I think there's been maybe three teams that have gotten into, and at 1990, I think is the new playoff format maybe, but only three teams have started off 0-3 and have gone on to make the playoffs. So if you're an 0-3 team, you're pretty much, uh, we're going to dig a hole for you here in, in the uh, beach of Atlantic City and find a ditch to, to throw some sand on you. Dad says, Cam Newton warming up in the bullpen. I don't know. Uh, you know, that, that Cam Newton experience didn't quite, uh, go according to plan when he went to New England. Now he was able to win. What's going on, Eagles fans? This is your guy, Tony. Shows the second filling in for Rick Ciratella. We're experiencing a slight technical difficulty, but we have a few minutes left in the show. And you know, look. This is going to be a fascinating matchup with the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up uh, this weekend. We got some time leading up into that. But, you know, once again, uh, you know, we thank you guys for locking on the show. Make sure you guys continue to smash that like button. Make sure you guys continue to stay locked in on the content. Make sure you guys are subscribed to Jacob Sports. And also make sure you guys check out jacobsports.com. There you'll find writing from John McMullen. Paul Domowicz, Joe Santelaquito. Uh, make sure you guys stay locked in on Jacob Sports. Next up, we do have the Sports Take guys with Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, and Bear Brooks. You guys were locked in on the football playbook with, with Rick Saratella. I'm your guy, Tony DeShelsa II. Stay tuned, you guys. Keep it locked. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. 
Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. 